Shut up and sit down. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. You're tuned in to the Quiet Part Loud podcast. You're listening to me. My name's Daryl. I'm the host of this thing. And we're on episode 99. Can't believe we're almost at 100. And in fact, we already have hit 100 because we've recorded our 100th episode uh, earlier this week. It was an interview uh, that'll be coming at you guys next week. So stay tuned for that. And I've listened back to it, uh, to most of it, definitely. And something's happening with the audio, the sound. Uh, I, I gotta try to figure that out uh, during the editing process before I upload it, try to get rid of some of the kind of distortion that was happening through the mic. And that may have been the room. Uh, it may have been the setup, I'm not sure. Uh, but one thing is clear, I definitely need a new microphone and I'm gonna be getting on that ASAP. But super excited to bring you guys um, episode 100. As with this entire journey, you know, from the very first time I pressed record and stumbled my way through whatever I talked about, uh, I've been growing and I've been trying to do better every show. I'm trying to make it sound better, make it feel better, be consistent with the production, be consistent with the distribution and just build a better product, right? It's all about building a better product. Um, and this episode 100 that you guys will get next week is the very first time I have interviewed anybody. It's the very first time I've sat down and had a one-on-one -on -one chat that's been recorded um, where I had to ask the questions and kind of then leave it. And you're going to go through the growing pains with me. So it's definitely not a polished interview. It's not the best work I've got in me, that's for sure. But it's the first one, and I hope you guys like it. Uh, we talk about Julian Assange. We talk about fake news. We talk about, you know, politicians lying to the media and getting away with it. We talk about uh, journalism and education and, and how the students are being prepared for, uh, you know, the sort of media landscape that's out there. So uh, it's I had a really great time recording it, and I definitely want to do more of them. So... Hopefully I'll be able to bring you guys those. I don't have a schedule. I don't have a particular amount that I plan to do a month, but I'm going to keep working on bringing people in and, and organizing those kinds of conversations. So I hope you guys vibe with that and uh, it'll be out with you guys next week. Uh, but I had some work stuff that made me have to postpone the normal recording session. So it would have been Wednesday evening, but when I got home Wednesday evening, I was absolutely shattered because I'd been at a work conference for uh, sort of the past two days. Uh, and obviously there was activities and talks and uh, kind of breakout sessions. And then there was some drinking and, you know, all of that. So it's just a lot. And it was very, very hot. So anyways, never mind with all that. I had to push the schedule back. It's not Wednesday evening when I'm recording it. It's actually Friday evening when I'm recording it. So this is going to come out uh, on Saturday for you guys. So hope you pick it up on the weekend and if not, hopefully next week. Uh, but as of next week, we'll be right back to our Wednesday evening uh, recordings, Thursday morning uh, availability. So stay tuned. I hope you guys, I hope you guys like my first interview. Um, but I, I just, I'm, I'm putting it out there. That's all I can do. 
I can just, I can try and I can try and then learn from, you know, what I noticed that I could do less of, more of, you know, all of that sort of thing. Um, it's just about, it's about identifying, being honest with yourself and adjusting. And that's def I've definitely got some of that to do 100%. Um, I talk over him a little bit in the beginning. Uh, my laugh is obnoxious as hell. Uh, I've never heard it on a recording like that before. So uh, for anybody that's heard me cackle, oh my God, am I sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. I hope you guys, uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Anyways, for episode 99, we've got a few things to get into. And some of the things I want to get into are really, really cool. Some are really distressing and other are just, the other is just really, really disgusting. And I had three things sort of off the top of my head that I thought have happened over the last week that really, really need some attention paid to them. Um, not that they're, some of these things aren't getting a lot of attention, but if you see one, you see it all. And I just think that we need to get a little bit more serious about some of the things that we allow some of the things that we consider acceptable. And one of the things I talk about on this show is social media and data and privacy and how that's a commodity that is far more valuable than we've ever realized before we just blatantly signed it over to whoever wanted it and they have it forever, you know? So the you've probably seen or probably tried this face app thing and this face app is it's an a it's a piece of ai tech that you take a selfie on and it allows you to apply filters that will make you old make you smile make you have glasses a beard like it's a very very good uh face changer and everybody's been using it to show what they would be like if they're super old right and it's the results are incredible Let's get that straight right off the bat. The, the results of the tech are really, really good, actually, I think. But it's a Russian-made app. And apparently, by default, it uploads your photos that you take on that app to its server, which it then owns. So when I found this out, after taking three of these things, I subsequently deleted the app, of course. You know, you can also pay so they can get your credit card information, right? I know that goes to Apple, but I don't, everybody's like, oh, Apple's such a safe, secure ecosystem. Okay, I get it, but, you know, it's still a piece of digital technology. Yes, it may be encrypted. Yes, it may be protected, but, it is not, if they can upload your photos to their server via the app, that is running through an iOS ecosystem. How is the iOS ecosystem totally secure? I don't buy it. So I've deleted it. Not that that will probably make much difference, but I have. But the, th the reason that I wanted to bring this up was actually because this argument that some people on television make or wherever you hear it, you know, you hear it with data and privacy and stuff like that. It's the whole, well, I don't have anything to hide. 
So what sh why should I care if they're looking at my emails or taking my data or, you know, whatever? I don't really care about it. It doesn't really make much difference to me. Okay, okay, I get that. I, I get that you can have a nonchalant perspective about something as uh, abstract as your data, right? Your metadata. That's a very abstract thing. It's not a physical thing. So people can be quite blasé about it. Totally get that. But we should be much more vigilant around our data. Now, are we ultimately fighting a losing battle anyways because we're going to be kind of asynchronous with, you know, AI uh, eventually anyhow, or there'll be zero privacy just because of our, you know, our need and our addiction for connectivity and, you know, all of that stuff. But still... It's yours. So shouldn't you protect it? So this face app that's getting everybody's, every celebrity in the world's face, the consequences of this could be something as, I don't know, something as juvenile but harmful as sticking their face on another person's body and pretending that they're fucking somebody that they didn't and setting them up. Right? Because even if it's not true and the person accused of it says, no, I'm not giving you any money, that's not true. And they upload it to TMZ or the internet and it's such good technology that you cannot tell the difference. Will the accusations not... Will, will the accusations not come? Who will we believe? I mean, if you watch some of these deep fake videos... They're actually quite getting quite good. So I just think anything that takes your data or anything that takes your face or anything that takes your fingerprints or anything that takes your voice or, you know, I mean, if you talk about voice or face, you might as well not use your phone, right? And I, I get that. But I'm saying if you can minimize it, why wouldn't you? Do you need an Alexa in your home? What true value is an Alexa bringing to you? Alexa, add apples to my Amazon Whole Foods cart? I guess. I guess that's a... a, a, a is that a trade-off? Is that a value exchange that's kind of equitable? I, maybe I don't get it because I don't have an Alexa because I don't want that in my house. But I know, obviously, my phone has a microphone. My laptops have microphones and cameras. So it's all kind of an arbitrary, you know fight that ultimately you're going to lose i'm just saying is there a point of protecting our data or should we be compensated accordingly by those companies that have it because it was gone before we knew what it was before the average person knew what their data was it was already gone and I don't think that is a fair marketplace. I don't think that's a fair value exchange for the services and the things that we are provided by these companies. I do not think their wealth creation and the products and services they give us based on the use of our data is a valuable exchange. I don't think it's an equitable exchange. It's a valuable exchange for them, for sure, but we get fuck all. Oh, well, we get Facebook and we get Twitter and we get Apple and we get iTunes and we get all, okay. Okay, 
I get it. We ran fast into this technology age, real fast, faster than we knew what we were doing. But does that mean that we should not be compensated because we didn't know what it was or because this thing gained momentum that nobody really knew it was going to gain? There's almost 3 billion people on Facebook. Or is there 3 billion now? Maybe they've hit 3 billion. I'm not sure. But guys, there's like 7 billion people on the planet. You cannot have one company having that much data on that many people. It is bigger and more powerful than a monopoly. And now they want to bring out their own currency, which we've talked about before, right? And we won't go all the way back into that, but I mean, they're going to be the ones that regulate their own currency, but they say they're not going to regulate it. I mean, come on. We're slow walking ourselves towards being cattle. And I just think we need, we need a little bit more mindfulness about what our data is, how the average person is influenced by it, the value of that data to a company, and any compensation that perhaps should be considered for the user. But just to be given, I mean, I did it. I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. I took, like I said, I took three snaps with that face app. Then I realized what it was, looked into it a little bit more and got rid of it. I tried to download it again at work, like the day after. And when I went to put it in, they were like, oh, they put a notice up there. We will be putting these on our server. So I deleted it. It wasn't there the first time, but it was there the second time. So they're trying to clearly cover their ass to stay in the marketplace. And I just think the whole point of this rant is to say we need to be more mindful of our data. It's going to go anyways, but we shouldn't give it away for free like we have done for the past 15, almost 20 years. Because it's only in the last two years that anybody's having a, a real understanding or like a, an awakening about what data means. What their data is. It's a digital fingerprint. It's you in a digital form. But because you connect to so many different digital devices, they've got you locked in at all times. They can follow you with cookies. They can track you and serve you the messages, right? And feed you the algorithms that makes you see the content that they want you to see. So you act a certain way and then click a certain amount of times and stay on that page for a certain amount of time, all just for ad revenue. You are the product. And if they don't have you in the way they have you now, they are not as valuable. It is as simple as that. And I think we need to be more mindful for the final time about how we use and give away our data and how we're compensated for it. Because moving swiftly on to the next thing that I wanted to talk about was actually the presentation by Elon Musk for his Neuralink technology, his Neuralink device. And if you didn't see it, Please check it out because Elon wants to stick a electrode in your head 
to stimulate the pathways in your brain to fire synapses and action potentials to make the body-mind function in ways that it couldn't. And he said this is the natural progression for us to merge with AI. And if we don't, then we will be an irrelevant species because as soon as you can, things that were otherwise off limits become available. And some of the examples in the presentation were deaf people being able to hear again or paraplegic people being able to walk again or blind people being able to see again. But the, the wider applications of this is to have all of the world's knowledge, the internet's knowledge at your disposable, at your disposal instantaneously. Imagine if the input between you and whatever device you use currently to find out the information that you want to know at any specific time was removed. What would that make you? That would make you as smart as the smartest thing you can get your hands on at the moment, which is your phone. It is the internet. If you had all of the knowledge of the internet at your disposal instantaneously without any sort of a feedback loop or interruption, then effectively you would be a god. Because not only would you have all of the information that was on the internet, you would have the understanding of the information on the internet because you could process it as quickly as the internet does with explanations, your learning curve would be reduced to almost nothing and you would become a superhuman. Am I going a little too far with that? The applications now are medical, but the application potential is godlike. But then what happens when we hit the convergence? Right? Or, no, not, it's not the convergence. It's singularity. Right? What happens when technology wakes up and becomes in control of its own destiny? And one of those pieces of technology is in your head. What can it do then? If it's connected to your phone via Bluetooth, then the possibilities are endless and frightening and terrifying. So I don't know how I feel about it because on one hand, I think to myself, well, if this thing can do the things they say it should or potentially can, then sign me up. But the rational side of me, putting aside my ego and the you know obvious attraction to having all of the world's knowledge at my fingertips instantaneously who wouldn't want that I have a little reticence about having a chip implanted in my head with electrodes that are 125th the size of a human hair stuck into my surgically implanted into my brain and switched on and controlled by my phone what if I lose my phone 
there are implications to this. I have questions about it. So I love Elon Musk because I think he's our Nikola Tesla. He is a, you know, he's sort of a one-off. But I'm not sold on this yet. My ego loves the idea of this. My ego wants this now, you know? But my rational side always tends to win out when, I, I'm, when I'm faced with decisions. I don't want to call it cheating, but it kind of is, right? It's like the biggest cheat code in the world if it works that way. But it, I go to the gym a lot. And I would love to pump some steroids into my body and get absolutely ripped but then I would know I was cheating. There's just, I, and I know tons of people do it. And I know there are tons of different forms of it. But there's something about it that sits wrong within me. Which is why I have always avoided even exploring that avenue. I'm working out to look good. To be, a, you know, to, to, have a, to have a good physique. To feel great. To move great. To be strong. But yes, if, you know, a shortcut to being ripped and, you know, physical, like a physical specimen is very appealing, but I just, I don't know. I can't bring myself to do it. And also there's the fear factor, right? What if my balls shrink? What if my, well, I can't say what if my hair falls out because it's already all gone, but, um, you know, what if I start to get rage? I'm already aggressive enough. You know, I don't need to be, uh, I don't need to be filled with roid rage. That would be the last thing anybody in my proximity would want. So, um, yeah, there's, it's always been a, oh, it would be amazing to get those results. And I see people who are clearly taking it, getting those results, but there's just something about it for me. And I don't know, I kind of feel the same way about this Neuralink because it's going to be available before we know it. And Elon doesn't fuck around. He wants that. He wants people to have his stuff, you know? He wants everybody to have a Tesla. He wants everybody to have the solar panels on their roof. He wants everybody to have uh, the battery packs. He wants everybody to be able to fly to Mars, you know? He's a different kind of individual. He's probably an alien, but... Like, he's boring under California, L.A., to redefine transport. Like he's a different sort of individual, but I don't, I don't know, man. What if it goes wrong and they touch the wrong nerve and you're a vegetable? It just, you know, maybe I'll wait for a few years to see the first wave of it and, uh, and see what happens after that. But it's, it was, it was a very interesting presentation, but the mind can go places when confronted with that sort of technology. So if you haven't seen it, check it out because, you know, it's like they say the future is now. We are, we are living in it. It is insane. And in 10 years, you know, who knows what it's going to look like in 20 years. God, like it's insane. And some things are still rubbish. Something, some things are still shit. I look out my window now, it's raining and the roads are just terrible. You know, you got our counselor, our MP, Matthew Pennycook, tweeting this morning about, um, God, what was it? 
uh, Amazon and their uh, workforce getting paid the right wage. It's like, hey, pal, where were you six years ago? Like, don't just start following talking points that are coming down the pipe from the U.S. This guy's such a wet blanket, man. Everything I see of his on Twitter is just he's a tryhard. He's got no innovation in him whatsoever. And he just sits there and just puts these things out like the remarkable statements. It's like, pal, have you got any thoughts of the, on your own on this? Or are you just going to plagiarize the whole thing? You know, it's a goodwill hunting moment. It really is. It's like all you're doing is watching what other people are doing. And when it fits your course of conversation, you throw it out there like it's your own idea. Absolute wet blanket, absolute virtual vir, virtue signaler, and I can't stand the man. And I've never met him. I th I just think he's incompetent. Just by his words, I think he's incompetent. And maybe I'm doing him. A, maybe I'm being unfair to him. I don't know. But I'm telling you what, I live in the borough that he's in charge of, and I'm not seeing the improvements. I'm seeing the crime go up. I'm seeing the pollution go up. I'm seeing the housing go up being a detriment to the aesthetics of this area, moving crime in, doing nothing to protect the community, doing nothing to converse with the community. You want to be so active on Twitter, Matt? Then why don't you get back to somebody once in a while when they ask you a goddamn question? Be accountable to the people that are paying your salary. Otherwise, beat it because you're not worth it. You're not worth the paper the check is written on. You need to be accountable and you virtue signaling with things like Amazon paying their employees enough. Like, who do you think you are, man? Take care of your locals. Take care of your locals. Amazon. Brexit. These are the things I, come, I hear coming out of his mouth. Take care of your local people. Have a conversation with them. Find out what's going on because I'm telling you what, people aren't happy in this community. And you're not doing anything to address it. So... Back to the point. I don't even know how it got on him. I was talking about Elon Musk. Anyways, I want to move on. Because, you know, with the ever-growing saga that is the White House and Trump administration, America is in turmoil, people. If you're not paying attention to this, guys, you know, I heard a presentation the other day. And it was like, people don't get how positive things are, how much things have progressed over the last, you know, 80 years, 100 years. And it's true. You know, poverty is down worldwide. Hunger and starvation is down worldwide. You know, less people are living in abject poverty than ever before. It's safer. Less people are dying from bullets and warfare than ever before. Right? It may not seem that way because the media portrays it in a certain way, but... I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but it is still a goddamn shit show out there. Exemplified by the week's activities coming out of the president of the United States and his mouth like a torn pocket that spews vomit constantly. He's attacked these congresswomen, specifically one from Somalia called Elon Omar, and if you haven't been following this, then you need to pay attention because it's like I've said before, if you're not watching politics in this day and age, then you're ripe to be taken advantage of. And it's your ignorance that makes it happen, so you deserve it. You need to pay attention to these things. 
It's American politics, Daryl. It doesn't have anything to do with us, does it not? This guy gets another four years in office and you wait. And you tell me it doesn't matter. It already matters and it has mattered since he got elected. But this latest rant that he's been on, this racism, this disgusting vitriol of go back to where you came from, about four elected members of Congress in the United States government, three of which were born in America. The other, which was born in Somalia, came there as a refugee and worked her way up to become the first Muslim elected woman ever in the United States Congress. And to top it off, she did it in a white bread state like Minnesota. That tells you something. That tells you the message is true and heard, received, and they got behind her and acted on it. So she's fighting for what she stood for and what she campaigned on and what got her elected. And for this scumbag to come out and say the things that he said about her. Oh, I've heard that people are saying that she married her brother. I don't care if she married her brother. I mean, is it is it something that I would do? Would I marry my sister? No, I would not. I don't think that's right. But... I don't know anything about the circumstances or if it's actually true. So I'll reserve judgment. What I do know to be true is the things I've heard from people's mouths. Like Mr. Trump. And the vitriol and the garbage that spews out of him on a daily basis is not appropriate for somebody who assumes that office. You know, Wall Street's doing great. The economy apparently is doing great. Jobs are down, but don't check on what kind of jobs they are. He's got things that he could say that are positive. He could run on a positive platform. But the problem is that the things that are making the economy strong are detrimental to the rest of the country, to everything else that's important to America, and is only benefiting a very small few. You see the economy doing well, but the deficit and the debt is getting enormous. So what you're seeing there in terms of a buoyant Wall Street and stock market equates to almost nothing, okay? Because the job numbers that they talk about laud over from time to time when they're not ripping into people is about people who are being squeezed at the bottom, who are having to get multiple jobs. This is not about new jobs. This is not about more people in the workforce necessarily. It's, it's people having to take shit jobs because they're being squeezed in every other area of their life. So when he's challenged on his policies, he's not intelligent enough to fight them with facts or in a civil disagreement, in a proper debate, in an argument. He can't do that. He can't say, this is why my economic policy is better and why I'm correct and the ones that are criticizing me are incorrect because of X, Y, and Z facts, right? My border policy. The reason I'm separating children from their families is right because he can't justify that policy whatsoever. The way he's clawed back environmental regulations to be able to infiltrate those spaces with corporate interests. He can't justify that. 
He can't come out and say, this is why I'm cutting down your trees and your forests. And, you know, this is why I'm going into your nature reserves, into your wild parks. And, you know, he can't say that. There's no justification for that. When challenged on his infrastructure plan or his inability to get Obamacare overturned. He doesn't have a response to that. So what does he do instead? He attacks the person. And he's a very small-minded individual. You can tell this. If you listen to him for three minutes, you can understand this. So he attacks them on, a, on the lowest possible level. He attacks them based on race, based on gender, based on looks, right? Based on religion, things like that. He just slights them, calls them names. There's no argument in him. There's no intelligence in him. He faces any of those Democratic candidates in a one-on-one, -on -one, and he is going to look a fool. Mark my words. There's too many holes in the game that he's playing. And I think this might be a bit of a tipping point because he has simultaneously offended the black community, the Hispanic community, the Palestinian community, the Muslim community. He's, he's pissed off a lot of people with this, which is why you see him walking it back. He was recently at a, I mean, this was what, yesterday or two days ago? He was at a, at a rally and they're like, oh, 15,000 people at the stadium. It's like, actually, if you look, the capacity of that stadium is actually only 8,000 people. So they're lying. <clears throat> but during that, he spent three minutes criticizing Ilan Omar. Running her name through the mud. So the crowd of hicks that support him, that attend these rallies, paid or not, they show up, he starts talking shit, they start chanting, lock her up. Then it goes to send her back. And he's like, I tried to get that immediately. And it took him like 13, 15 seconds. He just sat there with his arms crossed, walking back from the mic like he does, looking to the side like he does. And he let them chant it. I mean, it was a weak chant. It wasn't even the entire uh, place that was yelling it. Even the people standing behind Trump in the footage are kind of looking at each other like, okay, like even they weren't down with it, which makes me believe it was staged actually to try to put out this message that actually the public agree with Donald Trump when they absolutely don't. Americans might not be the smartest en masse. No offense to anybody in the U.S. that's listening to this. I'm sure you're all wildly intelligent individuals. I got a lot of American friends who are incredibly intelligent individuals and I don't want to stereotype anybody but if you still support this man you are on a level that I cannot comprehend I do not understand because if you're the type of person who is in rural America who's suffering through this trade war with China if you're a farmer you're not doing well you might have had a few pennies thrown your way with this bailout money if it's even come through yet but you're not doing well but yet the American dream appeals more to you than it does to anybody else whilst simultaneously being the hardest to achieve from your position.
people in poor communities very rarely have the social mobility to become billionaires. It doesn't happen. It's very, very rare. 1%, 2%, something like that, if I remember the stats I looked at. Which is why the American dream is an idea. It's not a promise. Because you, you might start at the bottom and you might end up there. Or you might get one rung on the ladder up and pretend to call that the American dream. But it's not promised to the people that need it the most. Yet it's an idea carried by people who match a certain demographic. Let's put it that way. But I think this thing that he's done now is... I think it's a step too far. I think it's a step too far. And I think he knows that too. Because when you start to incite this sort of... This sort of chanting... I mean, that looked... And I don't want to be dramatic here. But when you hear send that back and you know it's targeted at someone like Elon Omar... That feels incredibly racist to me. That feels like white nationalism to me. That feels like the worst kind of hate to me. And that legitimizes some of the other behavior that we see. So I hope to God that no crazy asshole with a gun takes this stuff farther than it already has been taken. It doesn't take much for a situation to explode out of control, to have a powder keg moment. We've seen it all over the years. Something can start out one way and quickly escalate a whole other way. And I really, really hope we don't get to that. But there's a feeling that the U.S. is on a, on a bit of a knife edge at the moment. And I really hope they can, they can make some sense of this. But we have to be real with ourselves, guys. I mean, if you still support Donald Trump in any way, shape, or form, how can you look yourself in the mirror? Through all the things that I've said during this show, to all the things that are no doubt going to be coming today, tomorrow, and into the future. I just don't understand how anybody can look themselves in the mirror or look their children in the, in the face and say, that's my guy. It just seems nuts to me. So those are the things that I really wanted to talk to you guys about uh, this, this episode. Um, and it's getting kind of late on a Friday and I'm going to go spend some time with my family. So um, the weekend's here. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, this show will be out on uh, on Saturday. On Saturday morning, we're going to put this one out. And then just, I want your thoughts. I want your feedback. I want your comments on um, on the interview that we put out next Wednesday evening. So, or Thursday morning, that'll come out. Sorry. So, uh, this is episode 99. We've already got episode 100 done. It's our first interview. Like I talked to you guys at the beginning of the show and, and there's some teething issues, guys, so bear with me, but I want to hear what you guys think. And if there's anybody that's listening to this show that has a unique perspective on business or technology or sports or wellness or anything like that, we want to talk. And I'm getting more comfortable with the ability to do remote locations as well. So 
if you're in London, hit me up. I want to talk to you. I want to get interviews done. I want to pick your brains and I want to put what you guys know out into the ether so other people can learn, grow, feel better, be better, all the rest of it. So that's it for now. This is episode 99 of the show. You've listened to the Quiet Part Loud podcast. I hope you come back for some more next week. And until next time, guys, all the best.